everybody. Welcome to episode 70 of Weighing In with Andy Hamilton and David Mirkatani. I'm Track Wrestling's Andy Hamilton coming to you from the National Wrestling Hall of Fame Dan Gable Museum in downtown Waterloo, Iowa. Joined on the phone by the Track Wrestling Rankings guru, David Mirkatani, coming to you from St. Louis. Welcome back, David. Thanks for having me, Andy. How are you? Doing great. Yourself? I'm really good. Uh, going to the state tournament was, uh, it's cool. And, uh, I got to see some really neat things. Maybe we'll talk about it, but it was a, uh, good, it was a chicken soup for the soul kind of weekend for me. I really enjoyed being there. Well, let's, uh, let's start there, David. I mean, we've got, uh, we had 15 state tournaments, I believe that, uh, were streamed on track wrestling last weekend. Some awesome stuff going on around the country, from one coast to another, you were at the Missouri State Tournament. I was in Des Moines for the Iowa State Tournament. What were some of the main takeaways for you from the Missouri State Championships? In Class 1, Whitfield High School, uh, they scored, I think, almost 250 points, had nine guys in the finals. Uh, I think I'm going to get that coach on my show this week. Um, they've been first or second for 11 of the last 12 years maybe now it's 12 out of 13 um really cool story in class two mexico missouri won the first their team's first state title uh and you know they'd taken second the year before they had three kids win it in class three carney knocked off the three-time defending champ neosho uh program and they had a kid win his fourth state title and that young man had had uh there been a tragic car crash a couple of months ago where his sister and some other folks, including a sister of one of my ex wrestlers, uh, Selena Senzi all died. And this kid almost, almost hung it up, you know, really had, you know, some hard soul searching to do and came back and won his fourth title. And they, they won basically by one match. They won by two and a half points. And then in class four, CBC um, brought, the Missouri state title in large schools back to St. Louis for the first time since like 1998 Cornell Robinson, uh, and that program got it done Four champions, um, a finalist and two other medalists. And, uh, again, that, that race came down. It wasn't clinched till the, after the 170 match. So, um, Cornell and, and Gail Adams from Mexico are both guys that wrestled for my dad at Merrimack. And it was just cool to see those guys, um, you know, I obviously know them really well, and it was I'm just proud of those guys, and it was really cool to see them win their first state title as, as coaches as a team. Wow. Yeah, like I said, I went to the Iowa State Championships, and a uh, pair of four-timers, Brody Teske, Alex Thompson, both uh, finished their careers uh, with one loss to each other this year. We talked about that uh, different points yeah. during the season, both four-timers, Teske going to Penn State, Thompson going to Nebraska. They rolled through the tournament. Another four-timer, Josh Ramirez uh, from Dubuque Wallard. He won his first three titles in Louisiana, moved up here this year, uh, pinned his way into the finals, then won 11-7 in the finals. Josh Ramirez going to Ohio State. He was one of uh, the linchpins for Dubuque Wallert. Dubuque Wallert won the Class 2A title. They took four guys to the state tournament and ended up with two champs, a runner up and a fourth and, uh, ran away with, with the two, a title. So, uh, that was pretty incredible. They won it with four guys. 
They won it with four guys? They won it with four guys. They lost a grand total of three wow. matches on the weekend. Uh, Boone McDermott, their 220-pounder, tremendous story. He was a... On the JV as a freshman, and he went 45-1 and one this season. His one loss was to Daniel Kirkvliet. Uh, Boone McDermott is in the top 10 of our track wrestling Nike high school rankings at 220. He pinned his way through the bracket. Uh, tremendous story there. He's a guy that uh, has really surfaced on some, some radars as far as uh, recruiting goes. He talked about how... Uh, you know, Chris Bono and company up at South Dakota State are interested in uh, whoever gets him. I think they're going to get a, a guy that's, you know, big, athletic, and, and has some skills there. So uh, going to be one of those guys that kind of surfaces late and turns some heads. Another one of those guys uh, I had a chance to talk to uh, out of Illinois. Um, still has some, some wrestling to do. Uh, you know, he's got another year at least. Um, Anthony uh, Moulton. Uh, out of Lockport, David, he knocked off number three, Joey Melendez, uh, major decision in Friday night's semifinals, and then turned around and followed that up uh, with a win in a tiebreaker against Travis Ford Melton uh, to claim a state title in Illinois at 120 pounds, a guy that knocks off uh, two of the top five guys in the national rankings in succession. So I don't know that anybody had a harder path to a title than Anthony Moulton did uh, last weekend, but, uh, man, that was pretty impressive the week that he had. And then, uh, of course, as I mentioned, you got a bunch of four-timers down in Missouri. Um, Four-timers all over the country. Yeah, four-timers all over the country, which is pretty cool to see. Uh, Travis Whitlake, Oklahoma State recruit, uh, finished off his run to a fourth title in Oregon with a fall in the finals. Uh, Colton Schultz out in Colorado is going to – Tried to do the same next year. He pinned his way to the uh, heavyweight title out in Colorado. Um, you know, we had a chance to cut up the highlight of his uh, of his fall in the finals. Pretty impressive. You can see why he's so good in Greco. He just went to his bread and butter two on one, and then uh, kind of buried his head in the other armpit, and and uh, you know took this guy feet to back. Uh, pretty impressive performance by him in the finals. So. Well, David, before we get too far down the line, we better take a run through our track wrestling rankings here. But uh, before we do that, we need to give a shout to our sponsors at Resolite, of course. This podcast is sponsored by Resolite Sports Products, your one source for both classic and lightweight mats. From Resolite Zip Mat, the first and only tape-free mat to offer a waterproof interlocking connection system to Resolite's exclusive DigiPrint mat, the only fully customizable mat featuring unlimited graphics that brings unrivaled school branding to your new lightweight mat. Visit Resolite.com for all your wrestling mat needs. Resolite, the mat company. Well, David, uh, not a whole lot of change in the top 10 of the track wrestling rankings presented by Resolite. Penn State remains on top with 115 points. Ohio State number two at 110. Iowa in third at 80. Missouri in fourth at 76. Michigan in fifth at 74 and a half. North Carolina State checks in at sixth at 54 and a half. Lehigh in seventh at 49. Oklahoma State up to Oklahoma State in eighth at 44. Arizona State hurdles Virginia Tech moves back up to number nine. At 42 points, Virginia Tech in 10th at 39 points. And then to stretch it out a little bit, we saw 
Cornell jump uh, up to 11th uh, season high for the Big Red, 37.5 points, followed by Wyoming, 37. Rutgers, 32.5. Illinois, 29.5. And and South Dakota State rounding out the top 15 at 28. Well, David, uh, 197 is there's a lot to untangle there. Colin Moore's loss to Mike Machiavello really jumbles things up there. I'm sure before we dive into the individual rankings, though, you need to, you're going to want to give a shout to our sponsors with Fantasy Grade. Right. Um, FantasyGrade.com and the Ultimate Fantasy Wrestling Challenge want to know if you know more about wrestling than your friends and people from around the country. If you do, prove it. Go to fantasygreat.com, enter the live event on March 14th in Cleveland, Ohio, the online event, or both. Prove your knowledge, support amateur wrestling at the same time. Go to fantasygreat.com today and enjoy wrestling even more. And yeah, the, the 197, I guess we you, we can start there. That's as, It's as crazy spot as any, right? Let's get it out of the way, right? Yeah, so, so I, I think the first of all, I, I've said this before. Sometimes you do rankings and you feel really good about it, and sometimes you do rankings and you feel pretty good about it, and sometimes you do rankings because you ultimately just have to put numbers next to people's names. And this week, two through seven at this weight was the third category where we have to put n- numbers next to names. To me, Darmstead's a pretty clear one. He only had one loss on the year, and he avenged that loss. And so if you went into a seating meeting, he would have criteria either even or over everybody, including the guy he lost to. And anybody who's ever been in a seating meeting knows if you split, whoever won the second one gets it. So here's sort of the resumes, and I'm only talking about top eight wins and losses unless it's a loss. Uh, Colin Moore has beaten Hot and Wilkie and Long lost to Kassar and Machiavello. Hot has beaten Machiavello, lost to Colin Moore and Willie Miklas. Willie Miklas has beat Jared Hot. He was losing by seven when he did it, but did it. Beat Preston Weigel, lost to Darmstead, Jacob Warner, and Dan Chade. Preston Weigel has beaten Machiavello and Wilkie and lost to Miklas. Machiavello has now beaten Colin Moore, but lost to Weigel and Hot and Shakur Rashid only has a win over Wilkie, but has a loss to Darmstead and Kyle Connell or Connell from Kent State. So normally what you try to do is pick, you know, one guy out of that that is the best, and then you go, okay, well, the losses to that guy doesn't, now they don't hurt you. Um, You know, like Shakur Rashid, his loss to Darmstead doesn't hurt him. Same thing with Miklas. But then they have losses to Kyle Connell and Jacob Warner and Dan Chade, respectively. So the, really the reason why you would not leave Colin Moore at two isn't that he has two losses, is that they're so recent. Um, you know, if he'd had lost in October or November, December, it would be a pretty easy argument. But it just doesn't feel like anybody you can put over him. Like, I don't think you can put hot over him because he pinned hot. I don't know that you can put Miklas over him because Miklas has a loss to Jacob Warner and Jade. Preston Weigel lost to Miklas, so I don't think Weigel could be two. Machiavello, you can argue, well, he beat Colin Moore, but he's also lost to Weigel, 
who's lost to Miklas, and he's also lost to Hot, who got pinned by Colin Moore. To me, Shakur Rashid was the easiest one to put at seven because he doesn't have a top seven win, and he has a non-top 25 loss. And in a way, that made it easier because if they had put Kassar in instead, this would have been a real mess because he's got the win over Colin Moore as well. So at the end of the day, we left more hot Miklas and Weigel in the same order, and Machiavello moved up one spot, and Penn State moved down one spot because Kassar's body of work is better than Rashid's body of work. So we had Kassar at six. We now have Rashid at seven. One of the really interesting tangents of this is that a lot of these guys are in different conferences. You know, Cornell's in the EIW, Darmstead's EIWA, Colin Moore, Big Ten, Hot ACC, Willie Miklas, Mack, Preston Weigel, Big 12. Then you start hitting, getting some repeaters. Machiavello is also ACC. Rashid and Wilkie are also Big Ten. But the first five guys could all win their conference tournaments. And I don't really know how they will seed this if this happens. I mean, you know, you and me know the rubric fairly well, but I think coaches poll is going to have a huge significance in this, don't you? Yeah, yep, for sure. Is there another weight out there, David, where more guys feel like they have a shot to win the win the tournament? Can maybe forty one. Yeah, maybe, maybe forty one. I mean, maybe because if Dean Heil is ranked seventh. I think seven guys can win it. You know, I mean, no disrespect. I think I have more faith in Dean Heil winning ranked seventh than Brock Zacherl ranked fourth. Just because we've seen Dean do it twice. Yeah. Um, but yeah, my friend and I were talking about it today. Most of the weights, what's really weird is I think if you said name three, three guys, you're super confident to win nationals. I think it'd be hard to name the third guy. I think everybody's pretty confident that Zane Rutherford's going to win. And I think there's a lot of people that are pretty confident that Seth Gross is going to win. And then there's questions at every other weight. I mean, at 25, there's the top four is crazy. At 33, or 33, we discussed. 41, it's seven deep. At 49, we talked about Zane. At 57, I think there was a clear number one, but we don't know how healthy he is. At 65, you've got those three Big Ten studs plus McFadden. I don't think any of those guys, you go, well, he's definitely going to win it. At 74, it feels like it's 1A and 1B with Sahid and Hall. 84, I think you feel pretty confident in Nickel, but he's lost to Miles Martin before, and he's lost to Miles Martin before in the national finals. 97, we just said, is a mess. And heavyweight feels like 74, where there's kind of two guys above everybody else, but we just saw one of the craziest upsets that none of us would have predicted. And even if you believe Kyle Snyder's going to find a way, I don't think you think Kyle Snyder's going to win by four or six points. So, I mean, I don't, you know, you follow wrestling as much, if not more than I do. Do you feel like there's a bunch of weights that are really locks for champions, or do you feel no. it's going to be crazy like? Yeah, it's. You think it's, it's going to be crazy, huh? It's going to be a fun Saturday night in Cleveland, I think. And a Friday night. I For think sure. Friday is Friday Friday always fun, right? <laughs> Friday's, yeah, Friday's right. the best day of the wrestling season. 
Saturday. Yeah. Like I, I always think Friday's better than than Saturday at the NCAA championships because you know once Saturday's over, it's it's a long wait until November again. But uh, right. Plus, there's there's some unbelievable quarterfinal and semifinal matches. There's just you know, so much at stake on Friday. You know, whether you're you're wrestling to get on the stand or wrestling to uh, um, make your way into the finals, it's just such an emotional day, emotion-filled day, and you know, the supercharged wrestling as well. And and ninety-seven and forty-one feel like it's going to be very largely matchup based, right? Like there's certain guy like Jared Hot seems Colin Moore seems to be kryptonite to him, right? Yep. But like Willie Nicholas struggled with Hot. Um, you know, Preston Weigel is a really fundamentally sound guy, but you know, he may struggle with a guy who's really funky, you know, like Nicholas. I mean Shakur Rashid's, you know, pinning a lot of guys, but Penn State had to have thought that Kassar was a better matchup against more than Rashid, or they would have wrestled him there. So I think the matchups at that weight, and then obviously 41, you know, we were, I was talking to somebody about this. If Dean Heil won the Big 12s, it wouldn't shock any of us, right? Right. And if he does, what are the seeds now at Nationals? Let's assume Jaden Ironman wins the max, Yanni wins the IWAs, Zacherl wins the EWLs, McKenna wins the Big Tens, and Kevin Jack wins the ACCs. How do you seed this now? Because it's a mess. I mean, it feels like maybe Ironman's won because, you know, Meredith will have not won the conference in that scenario, and he's got a head-to-head over Yanni. Does Yanni go two, or does Meredith go two? Because he beat Yanni head to head. Where does an undefeated Brock Zacherl go? Where does where does a one loss Joey McKenna with with wins over Kevin Jack and he would in this case scenario probably have two wins over Nick Lee? Where does he go? Where does where does a Dean Heil go with four losses but having avenged probably two of them to Meredith and Parker? I mean. You know, I don't think Zachary will get the one seed because we saw that with Tommy Gant that year. But, I mean, how they how they draw that bracket is going to be crazy. And, you know, you could see Bryce Meredith and Dean Heil wrestle, and it's possible they could be the 3-6, the 2-7, or the 4-5 and hit each other two weeks later in the quarterfinals. I mean, I think that's entirely possible, don't you? Yeah, I think uh, I have a hard time seeing Meredith fall to four, but the scenarios that you laid out are pretty pretty interesting. It's uh, yeah, forty one and ninety seven are going to be the two to really keep an eye on in terms of what transpires at the conference level, and certainly how this shakes out for matchups in March. Because I think I think your point about ninety seven and the matchups there is. I think it's pretty spot on with this too, right? There's some guys in this. Same thing at 41. Yeah. 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 Yeah, Absolutely. But the one, the one difference is guys that just, I was going to say the one difference is I I feel like there are more guys at 41 that could really shake up the bracket. I mean, when you're looking at Tommy Thorne ranked 16th right now, 
Chad Red at 13, Luke Karam at 18. Some of these guys, you know, Ian Parker's sitting down there at 23, and he did not look good this past weekend against Vince Turk. But as you mentioned, he's got that win over Dean Heil here about uh, about a month ago. So mm-hmm. I I have a feeling that that 41 is going to get wild, and and we've been talking all year about 97. Just you know, f- yeah, you got Matty Ace at 12, Beasley at 13, who you know can't decide if he wants to beat guys or lose the guys, but when he's on, he's really good. Chade at 18. I mean, Jacob Smith, who won the Big 12s last year, is at 24. Mm-hmm. I mean, or he didn't win it. I'm sorry, he got injured in the finals against uh, Weigel. Weigel. Sorry. Yep. But, I mean, made the finals. But, I mean, a legit dude. So, th- these two weights feel like it's super matchup driven. And what's weird is at the beginning of this year, it felt like the opposite. It felt like, okay, Kyle Snyder is going to win heavyweight. Colin Moore is the clear favorite at 97. Nichols the clear favorite at 84. I mean, 74 felt like a toss-up. You know, 65 felt like. Like, okay, Vincenzo and Imar. And now Alex Marinelli and McFadden have definitely inserted themselves into that picture. 57, Knopf was a prohibitive favorite. And, you know, we, we don't know now with his injury. Dean Kyle was a prohibitive favorite. Maybe he was a one-point favorite, but he was a prohibitive favorite. Seth Gross, you felt like, okay, he's the number one guy because he took second. But it felt like, okay, if maybe Cade Brock could solve the bottom problem, how good will Luke Pletcher be when he comes down? How good will Stevan Misic be with another year of college wrestling? And Seth Gross seems to have widened the gap. And then, you know, you follow Iowa and know more about Iowa than anybody in the country, I think. But Spencer Lee coming out, you know, Tomasello being injured and coming down slowly. Darian Cruz, I think largely because he lost, he's not in the Midwest and because he lost the pitch in the All-Star meet, not really getting a lot of credit. Suriano, you know, transferring schools, you know, that, that way it's crazy. And I wouldn't bet on him cause he's had a bad year, but Ethan Lezak is seventh. Like that's pretty crazy. Ethan Lezak and Dean Heil are ranked seventh. Like that's really hard to believe. And I mean, and I'm the one that ranked them there. Yeah. So it's just, I don't know crazy. if I go so far as to say he's had man. a bad year, but he's had some, He's had some really lopsided losses that you you're not accustomed to seeing from a returning NCAA finalist. But uh... yeah, that's probably fair. You know, maybe to me it's a bad season if you get tech fall twice and you're in the finals last year. Okay, but we haven't yeah, seen that happen probably, a lot. Probably, yeah, we talked about yeah, that a few weeks back. Too... That might not have ever happened before. Yeah, but I mean, uh... I just but there felt like there was a lot of certainty going into the year about certain guys, and now there isn't. I, I don't feel very certain about a lot of these things. There's 14 undefeated guys left. There can only be 13 going into nationals because Imar and Marinelli will have to hit each other or one of them would have to lose before then. But, I mean, it wouldn't shock me if a couple more of these guys lost. I mean, I don't know necessarily. Who, I mean, Suriano is, is not going to have an easy path to win the Big 12s, that's for, or Big 10s, rather. That's for sure. You know, Kemmer's undefeated, but that's a really good, you know, weight at, at the Big Ten as well. Um, Daniel Lewis got pushed by Taylor Lujan this weekend. Um, you know, so it's not like he's a lock. I mean, this just – it's just been a, a crazy season, and it's its so – its I think what it goes to is 
just when you think you know something, you really don't. Yeah. Yeah, so, you know what? It doesn't feel like it. Re- it doesn't feel like it got really crazy until until just the last couple three weeks, though. So. Correct. Yeah, but it's, I think some of it was subtle, right? Like, oh wow, Tomasello lost. Okay, he's not number one. Moore lost. Oh, he's not number one. You know, and then Dean Hiles starts losing. Oh my god! And then I think Snyder was like, okay, it's it's officially insanity, right? Like I saw somebody post, he's number one in the world and number two in America. Yeah. You know, that that's crazy, right? It's like Aaron Brooks so, at the Cadet Worlds, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Except Snyder's like 100 times more famous. But yeah, it's exactly the same idea. Like he's an alternate and just straight rolling people. Yeah, I mean, it's so cool to see this stuff. And I think, and it reminds me of the kids at State this weekend, you know, all the interviews, the, the guys that win – they just believe in themselves. They believe in themselves when no one else does. They believe in themselves when everyone thinks it's crazy or no one thinks they have a chance. And that, you know, I interviewed a kid and he's like, the mind is the most important part of your body in wrestling. Doesn't matter if you have skill, doesn't matter if you have technique, doesn't even, you know, matter if you have heart. If you don't think you can win, you can't win. And it's really simple, but it's true. And, you know, you, you know, I mean, Adam Kuhn, we talked about, he thought he was going to win. Jaden Ironman did not look afraid to wrestle Dean Heil. I mean, we can go up and down what's happened this year, but I think a lot of what's going to happen in nationals in these matchups are, you know, every coach in the country talks about peaking their guys, but who really has peaked? Who's really ready to go? You know, who's really in that frame of mind? Like I'm the man, I'm the guy to beat. I don't give a dang what anybody else thinks. I'm coming in here and winning five matches in a row. You know, so I think that's I think that's going to be a lot of it, you know, maybe even more so this year because it feels like so many guys are so close. So, Anything else on the rankings front, David, before we move on? Uh, like, no, I mean, Pete Renda lost to Zavatsky. Uh, I mean, that was a tough weekend. He had Zavatsky and Miles Martin. Um, those were mainly the top, the in the top eight. Cam Kelly had a good win against Josh Terrell. Uh but that's those were mainly it. You know, I mean, it looks like Vince Turk's going to wrestle for Iowa at 157. Oh, and then Alex Pantaleo decided to lose. He's not going to go up to 57. 141. Sorry, <laughs> sorry, sorry. I was looking. I was clicking through because then I saw Pantaleo. Lost to Heffernan in a 57. Yeah, yeah. That'd be but huge Vince news Turk if over he was. Carter Happel. We'd be burying the lead. Yeah, yeah. Vince Turk was going 57. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, but that's a, that's a you know, Carter Happel had the big win against Thorne, and now it looks like Turk's going to be the guy. And then Pantaleo lost to Heffernan, but we really couldn't move him that far because he's got these head-to-head wins over Micah Jordan. But he's going to be a, a difficult guy to, to seed at Nationals. So... Uh, and then Ricky Robertson is kind of in a slide. He lost to Gravina. Uh, but that's that's really it. Those were the main highlights of the ranking stuff. Um, Yanni D had a really close match. So, you know, that he didn't move in the rankings, but it was surprising that he went, I think, one point with Headley. I mean, that was kind of an eyebrow raiser, too. Well, this concludes the rankings portion of our podcast, David. This podcast is sponsored by Resolite Sports Products, your one source for both classic and lightweight mats from Resolite Zip Mat, the first and only tape-free mat to offer a waterproof interlocking connection system 
Two Resolite's exclusive DigiPrint mat, the only fully customizable mat featuring unlimited graphics that brings unrivaled school branding to your new lightweight mat. Visit Resolite.com for all your wrestling mat needs. Resolite, the mat company. David, big duel of the week was Ohio State at NC State. The Buckeyes take home a 29-6 victory, eight match wins. Your thoughts on that duel? That was uh, got off to a little bit of a rough start for Ohio State. Uh, 84 comes down to the wire. Miles Martin finds a way to sit the corner and cradle up Pete Renda and put him on his back in the closing seconds to take what uh, was a two to one match, turn it into an eight to one victory. And then Colin Moore uh, hasn't quite looked like Colin Moore here in the last month or so. And that will be something for Ohio state to get ironed out uh, in the month to come. Yeah. And I, and I think you're explaining it. Obviously they started the duel at 84 I kind of always look at it. If, if I, if I was coaching the losing guy, what would I think? And like Renda gave up a takedown at the end of the first period. So it was two Oh, so miles Martin was able to choose neutral, which I think was really important, you know, cause it was two to one and Martin chooses neutral and Renda gets out that takedown alone, isn't enough to win it. So I think obviously that's an area where they could improve. Colin Moore just looks tired. He looked tired the last couple of matches. I hate to criticize guys, but it feels like that was a really poorly officiated match. Machiavello was running through on a double going out of bounds and he got warned. And then they gave a makeup call where Colin Moore tapped him in the head and they called on like, I don't know, unnecessary roughness or unsportsmanlike and gave Renda a point uh, or not Renda Machiavello a point. And that ended up being a huge point in the match, you know? So, I mean, I guess, Theoretically, it didn't matter because it ended up being tied and then Machiavello got the takedown. And you can argue, well, he would have got it anyway, but he looks tired. I mean, I just have notes here in each way. Kyle Snyder's pace is just, it's stupid. And, you know, I see people that go, he looks tired. He looks tired every match. But he, like, he reminds me of Lincoln McElravey. Lincoln McElravey, at least when I saw, always looked tired. But he would just get you more tired. And so... And they, I think I saw something or read something. He said, when I'm tired, I'm happy because I know the other guy's exhausted. And I think Snyder subscribes to that philosophy. Tomasello kept a really high pace. It was interesting to watch him get away from Foz relatively easily. Uh, you know, I wondered if that was going to be a thing after Spencer Lee rode him. I think the more we watch Spencer Lee wrestle and the more we watch Tomasello wrestle, the more we look at at how that two-minute ride-out of Spencer Lee over Tomasello was. I think when I first saw it, I'm like, gosh, I can't believe Tomasello got rode out. I don't care how good he is by a true freshman. And now I think it's like, well, that was a great ride because Tomasello isn't getting rid out by anybody else. But it's kind of good he didn't get turned because Spencer Lee's been turning a lot of guys ever since then. You know, I had a chance so, to talk to Mark Ironside for about uh, 25 minutes a video interview uh, that's up on track wrestling. One of my favorite interviews that I've done since I've been at track wrestling, we covered a lot of ground and we talked about Spencer a little bit. And he said, he's never seen anything like this from a guy on top. Really? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. There's a lot of fascinating yeah, stuff. I saw in that interview. Mark, he talked about wearing, 
you know, ankle weights going out on runs. He talked about being, you know, I asked him about, you know, you think back to Mark Ironside and, you know, in his time in college when he was uh, making a run to the Hodge Trophy. And, and the first thing I think of is pace, you know, that he wrestles a pace that, you know, you just, you just don't see it anymore. And, and uh, I asked how he got himself to wrestle that pace. And Mark talked about uh, running with uh, ankle weights on. He talked about having a paper route where he ran the whole time delivering papers on his feet. And uh, some pretty interesting stuff. We covered a ton of ground in there. There's some interesting stuff that he's uh, he talks about, uh, about youth wrestling and some of the, you know, the problems he sees with youth wrestling right now talked about his past with the Iowa State High School tournament about uh him uh his career now as a late model uh driving a late model stock car uh down at Cedar Rapids at uh, Hawkeye Downs the asphalt track down there uh so we we covered a lot on there I would if you haven't listened to it already mm-hmm. I would encourage you to do so 25 minutes goes by like like 5 I couldn't believe when I looked up at yeah. the end and saw the length of that, but uh, <laughs> but that was one of the points that he made in that. Uh, I've gone on a little bit of a tangent here on that Ironside uh, interview, but uh, you know one of the things that that really struck me is he, he said, "I've never seen anyone on top like this." Yeah, it's he's super impressive, and yeah, I'm gonna have to watch that. I watched like five or six minutes of it, and then I've in between sessions it stayed, and then. Somebody started talking to me, and we started watching Mizzou, you and I. So I need to go back and watch the rest of it. But yeah, those conversations, whether interviews or conversations, as you've taught me, those are the best ones. So back to the Ohio State duel, 33, you know, Tariq Wilson early takedown. Pletcher came on late, rode really hard, almost almost got a turn late. 41 was a huge match for the rankings. Joey McKenna looked like those are the kind of matches he has to wrestle to to place high at nationals where he scores early, holds really good position, where he's able to choose neutral against the top best top guys, the guys like Kevin Jack and the guys like uh, Bryce Meredith. I think those are, you know, the, that's important for him to score first and, 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 you know, score at the end of periods. So it made 41 a little weird to rank. I mean, it just putting Dean Heil seventh feels wrong, but, I don't know where else we can put him. Uh, Keyshawn Hayes got a big tilt to win that match. Hayden Heidley is really impressive, Andy. He's a freshman, and he is very, very poised. Uh, I also think, you know, like Micah Jordan and Cade Brock, to me, are the two best guys in the country that are really, really struggling on bottom. And – it makes me wonder if they can win the tournament or even make the finals when they struggle so dramatically in that position. Uh, I mean, it's not like it's kind of a problem. It's a real problem. And then 65 and 74 were all Ohio state. You know, it seemed like those could be close matches, but Campbell and Bojo really, they came to wrestle. So, I mean, it was a really good performance overall for Ohio state, but it's kind of didn't feel like it. And I think it's because, it started out with Miles Martin kind of sneak, kind of sneaking one out, and, and then uh, Colin Moore getting beat. But they they went on a tear after that. So you know, I mean, it was pretty impressive for sure. Can you think of anybody that's won a national title who was flawed on the bottom? Uh, boy, 
I don't know. I I, no, I I can't. I think you know maybe maybe you can get by if you are uh, not uh, dynamite on top as long as you can get away and you're pretty doggone tough on your feet. But uh, that seems to me like the one position where you know obviously obviously you have to be able to get real, out right. You know if you're not real good on your feet, it makes it tough too. But uh, but you have to be able to get away. You have to uh, you know not get turned. And not get riding time against you. Not Even if it just takes time. you a minute and a half to get out, you're gonna you're gonna lose. Yeah. Yeah, and you're gonna lose. You ride me for a minute and a half, I ride you for twenty seconds, you know, that's the difference. You win the match. So, you know, Cade Brock's as slick as it gets on his feet, and Micah's really good on his feet as well. And and you know they're they're practicing there. They just I don't think they have very good natural feel there. And you know, certain positions, situations, techniques Guys are more natural for, and I think they struggle there. I was when you asked that question. I mean, the only guys I could possibly think of, and I don't even know if he was bad there, but like a guy like Mitch Clark that was so dominant, he would pick top, and you know, but I don't think he picked top because he was bad on bottom. I think he picked top because he was a hammer on yeah. top. But I mean, th- those would be the only guys that like maybe we look back like, yeah, they actually weren't very good on bottom, but they didn't have to be because. <laughs> They would just pick top and turn you four times and the match would be over. So, yeah, I, I think if there are, there's less than three in the history of wrestling that you're like, that guy really was not very good at getting out. Um, yeah, I think you have to. I think you, you hit it right on the head. Well, David, uh, Penn State rolls along 55-0 over Buffalo. Bo Nickel, 11-second pin in there. Iowa dusts Iowa State. Uh, 35-6, the only uh, one takedown in there for the Cyclones. And uh, 33, it, it happened at 133. Marcus Simmons gets a takedown, scores four backs on Paul Glenn, goes up 7-0 in the second period, and then Glenn comes on and scores the last eight points of the match, uh, gets a takedown to back uh, to get himself back in it in the second period, and then takedown and a right out in the third to win it. What else uh, occurred in the college wrestling world this past weekend that you want to touch upon? Well, the Iowa-Iowa State tool, you know, with all this stuff going on with uh, Canaan store transfer and everything else, I just didn't know if it was a recruiting violation to find your 125-pounder at a 7-Eleven. Have you looked into that to see if, if Dresser's okay there? I, I, that, that was uh, – <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I, I, I'm not uh, – I just well, thought that's such a great – he's got some – He's got some great lines. <laughs> anyway, um, Virginia Tech, North Carolina State, that was a really good duel. And NC State won, but they won on two. They won five. It was five and five. They won on bonus, but they won two overtime matches. So those two teams in a dual meet setting are a lot closer than I think maybe we thought. Uh, Freddie Stroker beat Kenny Monday, kind of a battle of young guys that are still finding their way. And then, you know, I was at state and in between sessions, we were able to find Missouri UNI and there were some good matches there. Grant Leith beat Max Thompson late. Um, and the 74 match, uh, Lewis ran out to a big lead early and then almost, he didn't almost lose, but he sure gave a lot of it back. So, um, you know, I think there's cause for hope with Lujan if you're a UNI guy. And then I think we touched on it. Zavatsky beat Renda, so that was a good 
good win for him. That can that bracket continues to be turned upside down at eighty four as well. There just keeps being guys besides one and two that keep picking each other off. I do think if if Abinader's on the same side as Nickel, that's the one guy that's shown he can go close with Nickel and, and isn't scared to wrestle him. And I you know, I think that's obviously crucial in the team standing is if he were able to pull off that upset. Yeah, he's going to be a handful because he hasn't shown, you know, he was in that match to win. He was in that match, like, not just to keep it close and not just to survive seven minutes, but uh, certainly gave himself a chance to win, both against uh, Bo Nickel and Miles Martin. I think that that's probably the guy that you, you don't want to run into if uh, you're, you know, you're in the semifinals, if you're Bo Nickel. Yeah, exactly. Else 100% up, agree. Somebody else winds up in that four or five slot. Right. 100% agree with that. Yeah. And Michigan looks like they're in a good position to score a lot of points in national. I mean, when I had Sean Bormet on, he mentioned they had four guys with an over 70% bonus ratio. And I thought, A, that that's a lot. And B, that's really interesting that, you know, he's keeping track of that. And I, you know, obviously that's important, you know, cause those are, we've talked about this back to the David Taylor Red Ruth days. It's like having a whole nother guy on your team. If you pile enough and up with those points. So Evan Adder's another one of those guys. We've talked about several of these guys this year that haven't been on the stand yet, but could make a lot of damage or, you know, wreck a lot of havoc uh, in a, in a, in a bracket where, you know, maybe people that don't follow wrestling super closely are sleeping on them a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. And I think uh, with, in the case of Michigan, too, I mean, you, you saw Michich went through a little bit of a slump early in the year, dropped uh, that that uh, almost got teched by Austin DeSanto out in Vegas, uh, got handled by Seth Gross in the All-Star Classic. He has caught fire here in the last couple months. I, I, I don't think he's lost since uh, Vegas, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, he has. Yeah, he has been, not. He's been lights out. Um uh, Pantaleo went through that rough stretch and he's come back and he's wrestled pretty well ever since, uh, early December as well. You kind of, you know, to me, I was kind of wondering what in the world's going on with Michigan after about the first month of the season. And then steadily over time, right. they've just gotten better and better. Uh, you've seen it with a lot of individuals that are, that are trending upward and, and, uh, you know, the one that I'm most curious to see how March goes for him is Logan Massa because there's a lot of upside there. He's sitting at, there at 11 in the rankings. I'm going to be surprised if he is not on the stand in Cleveland. Feels like 65 is another, you know, we talked about 41 and 97. I don't feel like there's many guys that you think can make the finals at 65, but there's a bunch of guys that if they were on the podium at 65, that it wouldn't surprise you. And so if you're saying, Hey, the number 11, a guy, the number four, guy you know the Anthony Valencia at 15 Isaiah White at 12 you know those two guys pop out right away off the page when I'm looking at it and you go hey if those guys took seventh or eight it wouldn't surprise you well that means two of those guys in the top eight have to pop out and you know who knows who you know where that is so yeah for sure there's I, I think you know and not that any you know Cleveland is sold out we all know that but you know it's uh if, if they weren't it's not going to be a very predictable tournament. I think you're going to see a lot of things that, um, you know, don't go according to the playbook. And 
I mean, like if you look at 197, I look at where other people rank it and I see, other, you know, we don't all have it the same way. And I don't know that anybody's wrong. It's just a hard way to rank. So, you know, I think the seating committee is going to have a difficult job there. No matter who you pick, uh, there's going to be, you know, there's going to be problems. I mean, Colin Moore's ranked anywhere from second to sixth. Hot's ranked anywhere from first to fourth. Armstead's ranked anywhere from first to fifth. Nicholas anywhere from second to seventh. I mean, it's just, there's a lot of, there's a lot of stuff there that's difficult to sort out and, you know, they're going to have to do it. And um, no matter, like I said, no matter what happens, there's going to be some unhappy people for sure. You know what's going to happen at 197 pounds in Cleveland, David? Chaos. Well, there's going to be a lot of value for your fantasy team. (laughs) You are the king of the segue, sir. And you're right. The folks at fantasygrade.com and the Ultimate Fantasy Challenge want to know if you know more about wrestling, their friends and people from around the country. Go online and prove it. Go to fantasygrade.com, enter the live event March 14th in Cleveland, the night before the Nationals, the online event, or both. Prove how much you know, support amateur wrestling at the same time. Go to fantasygrade.com today and enjoy wrestling even more. You are right. Those are uh, those are those brackets are good for nerds that want to do that kind of stuff. And I'm one of them. Yep. So there's going to be some good value. I love that. I I love that 41, 65, 97. Yeah, for sure. For sure. For sure. So, um, this is the best week of the year to be a college ranker though. Mr. Hamilton. It's the easiest. It's the easiest week of the year. Yep. The least amount of changes. Yeah. We got air force versus is here. Yep. Yeah. One duel in the Pac-12s. So unless a bunch of goofy stuff happens, it just take me about an hour to do the rankings this week, which which is nice because it took me an hour to do 197 this last week. So it'll be nice to save some time this week for sure. You have anything else for us this week, David? Yeah, a couple things. Um, first of all, that you know, I think I've spoken to you about this, but the Battle for Missouri, the charity event we're doing for the Extreme Couture GI Foundation, um, where we're picking kids based on their non-state tournament accomplishments. Um, we're going to go live with all the matchups and everything else, but we're able to secure a main event of Alan Waters versus Nashawn Garrett, which we're really excited about. Obviously, those guys have wrestled before in freestyle. Alan, a number one seed, multiple-time All-American, four-time state champ out of Park Hill in Missouri. Nashawn, national champ for Cornell. Uh, wrestling out of Sunkiss Kids in Arizona. Both really, really nice guys. Um, they were actually supposed to wrestle on Border Brawl back in March, and Alan rolled his ankle in Cuba. So uh, when I was able to talk to them about doing that again, uh, you know, they were excited about it. And then I think uh, in the next week or two, we're going to put up the video from St. Edwards High School, you know, with, the, with us going up to Cleveland, you know, here in a couple weeks, and the, the interview with Greg Urbis and that kind of stuff. He's a, a very, very impressive guy. Um, some folks like Dustin Guy Seiko told me some really, really cool stories about him. So um, I'll be looking forward to seeing when that comes up. You know, it's kind of funny when you interview people and then, it, you know, you don't put it up right away. It's almost when you rewatch it, you're almost like you're learning it yourself. So, um, but a very, very admirable man and was very kind and generous with his time that day. Well, we got some good stuff coming this week on track wrestling. Kyle Klingman and I on the mat had a chance to visit with Cornell coach Rob Cole for about 40 minutes and some tremendous 
stuff in that really a fun interview, a lot of uh, a lot of ground that we covered in it, pretty enlightening interview. There's a lot that uh, we both learned in that uh, interview. So that's coming up, um, you know, our regular scheduled uh, content, high school insider, D1 insider, multi-divisional insider coming out this week. And once again, tons of high school state tournaments coming down this weekend, Friday and Saturday, we're going to be all over the place with high school state championships. So uh, fun time of year. It's the best time of year, David. And the JUCOs. And the JUCO. The JUCOs are this weekend. Yep. Yeah. Shout out D two, D three regionals. The guys I used to coach against. Yeah. So. Yeah. Anything else it's for us, chaos. David? It's the best. No, sir. No, sir. Um, good luck to all the other guys chasing their medals this weekend. Go get it, fellas. That's for sure. Well, that'll do it for episode seventy of Weighing In with Andy Hamilton and David Miracatani. Thank you for all of you who have spent your time listening to us we certainly appreciate you taking the time to give us your ears and for david mercatani i'm andy hamilton we'll be back next week